Welcome back, everyone. This is episode eight of the Golden Goal Podcast. Lee and Javi, we are back. Uh, it's good to be back here. We took a little bit of a extended break. We went on Monday and Friday this week. Uh, Javi had some homework to take care of, <laughs> uh, the, the young studious man that he is. Uh, but we're back Friday night here, bruise in hand. I'm um, ready to talk some some footy again. Club football's back, Hav. Super excited, man. I love club football. Um, international break is over. Thank the Lord. And we're back again, man, with some with some club league action going on this weekend. So looking forward to it, man. Yeah, we're going to do some Premier League predictions for week five. Um, got some pretty good games on hand. Uh, we're talking a little bit of VAR. Uh, there has been some... Um, statistics that have been revealed with VAR through the first four weeks of the Premier League season. Uh, we're going to get it to some what to watch for, uh, some extra touch at the end. Um, and if we have time, we're going to get into our beloved Chicago Fire. There was some big news today with them that we're super stoked about. Uh, we'll see where we're at with time. Uh, but yeah, Premier League Week 5, club football is back. Fuck yeah. Uh, international break is over. Fuck yeah. So stoked about that. Uh, so, yeah, we'll get into predictions. Javi and I have been keeping track of our scores here. Once again, three points for a correct score line, one point for a correct result. So far, it's pretty neck and neck. I got 13. Javi's got 12 points. Starting off the weekend with Liverpool-Newcastle tomorrow morning. What do you think? Um, Where's it at? Are they playing? It is at Liverpool. At Liverpool? All right, yeah. Um, Liverpool wins. 3-0. 3-0? Yeah. Just like that. Yeah, just like that. There's no no question. I'm going to go... You know, Newcastle's pretty stingy. I'm going to go 2-0, just to, just to give a, a different scoreline out there. Then uh, I got to get into the 9 a.m. games. Got Brighton-Hove Albion uh, against Burnley. Uh, not the most exciting matchup, but who do you got for that one, <laughs> if anyone? <laughs> um, let me see. Uh, uh, I think it's going to be a 1-1 one, one tie. 1-1. One, one. Yeah, I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Yeah, this is going to be a freaking stinker of a game. Uh, on Monday, we're probably just going to say that this game happened, uh, give the scoreline and move on. I'm going to go 0-0. Zero, zero. Fair enough. Although, if anyone ekes this one out, I do think Burnley. I, I think it's going to be Burnley just because I think they're a little grittier. Uh, next game up, the big one of the weekend, Manchester United, the, the battered lineup of Manchester United with all the injuries against Leicester City. Who do you got? Uh, yeah, so I don't know. We don't have Luke Shaw, Jesse Lingard, Delote, or Pogba. So, or Bissaka. Or Bissaka. Oh God, um, <laughs> I don't know. I th- I want to say that we're gonna win this game, but I think without Pogba in that middle, I think Leicester has a better midfield than us. I think, ah uh, man, I hate myself that I'm gonna say this. I think we lose two one at home. Ah, took my score line. I was gonna say two one as well. I think I'm probably still gonna say two one. But you're right. Without Paul, I mean. I was concerned for you guys either way, and I think even if Pogba played, I would take it 2-1 Leicester, honestly, just because 
I've stuck by you guys for the last few weeks, picking you guys to win, and you tie Southampton, you lose to Palace at home. I mean, my hands are tied at this point. Uh, so I'm also going to go 2-1 to, to Leicester. I really do like Leicester's midfield. Tielemans, Madison, and Ndidi. That's, That's a really, a really good, nice midfield. Yeah. Iose Perez probably off the bench. I don't know. He hasn't been off to the best start, but I really like their midfield. Chilwell and that Ricardo Pereira guy as fullbacks. That's a good setup. Yeah. And Jamie You're, Vardy, ready to party up top. Vardy's been playing amazing so far. And uh, Johnny Evans and this Soyonku Soyonku guy yeah, yeah. who's been kind of filling in for Harold Maguire mm-hmm. uh, since he left. Uh, he's actually looked pretty good as well as a center back. He's a young, I think he's Turkish. Um, but Leicester have a nice squad, man. And given your guys' form compared to theirs, I mean, they, they're – fourth or fifth in the table i think right now yeah they're pretty close up and they're pretty close up to the top four and um i don't know man menus i think they're gonna struggle to be honest i hope they win i hope they pull off a win but i don't know it's not looking too it's not looking too good for the red devils right now at the theater of memes so we'll i have heard to today see. that if they lose this game and given other results around the league they could fall to 13th place in the league let that sink in for a second yeah, that's not be not. I would not be good. So I don't know. I'm I'm sweating bullets for this game tomorrow. I'm I'm be honest with you. So uh, I also heard that Leicester hasn't won at Old Trafford since like the late '90s or something. Yeah, so. the Crystal Palace. So <laughs> we'll see. The Crystal Palace had an even longer drought, basically. So anything can happen at with the, this state. At of the United. Theater of Dreams, man. Anything is possible. <laughs> theater of Dreams for the opponent. Uh, but yeah, two one for each of us then. Uh, next up we have. I actually think this will be a good game. Sheffield United and Southampton. Oh yeah, that is a good game at Sheffield. At Sheffield, uh, I really like the way Southampton's been playing. I think they. I think they play good soccer. Um, Sheffield is known to pull out some gritty wins though. At the same time, and I don't know. I think it'll be a good game. I'm trying to see who I think, though, are going to eke out a win. I think it's going to be um, Sheffield's going to win at home. I'm going to say 2-1. 2-1 to Sheffield. Yeah, this I, this one's probably going to be on NBC Gold, so I'm not going to be able to watch it. And it'll be at uh, the same time as the United-Leicester game, which obviously has seniority and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the priority, basically. But... I do think this will be a pretty good game to watch. Southampton has been playing really well this year by their standards, honestly, um, given how boring they have been to watch in the last couple of years. And Sheffield has shown some flashes here and there. Uh, it's a tough one. Toss-up for sure. I'm going to go 1-1. 1-1? Yeah, I, I think it'll be too even. I think I think Redmond is out for Southampton, who's been, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's been good for them. In their past couple seasons, been one of their few bright spots. So that'll be a, a little bit of, of a blow for them. Uh, but next one up, uh, Spurs at home to Crystal Palace. Hmm. I think Spurs take this one. They win 2-0. 2-0. Yeah, I say Harry Kane bags a goal in this game. He's he's due for one. I think, yeah, I think he 
even though he hasn't been doing too hot so far this season, I think he's going to be coming off a he's going to be in his feels coming off the international break. I think he scored a Hattie yeah. um, against Kosovo. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Palace is really good on the road, uh, which is kind of throwing a wrench into things here. And I haven't been impressed with Spurs so far. Uh, I do think they're going to nick it, though. I'm going to go two. You know what? No, I'm going to go one nothing Spurs. So the next up, this will be a good game. This is also tomorrow. I believe this is also a 9 a.m. start. Wolves and Chelsea at Wolves. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. I'm actually looking forward to this one. Um, to be honest, though, I, I haven't really been impressed with the Wolves too much. I don't, have they won a game? I don't even know if they won a game no, yet. No, they've got like three ties they got, like, and three a loss. They've got like three ties and a loss. Everton last week, and, Chel- and Chelsea have been, I mean, they've been pretty solid. Not that they, you know, nothing compared to the past Chelsea teams that they've had, but I think Chelsea have been playing pretty well now. I think they have a good system going right now. Tabby, Tammy Abrahams, you know. Uh, hit the ground running now with a with a couple goals. Mason Mount again. He's had a couple goals to his name also. I think Chelsea win this one at Wolves. I think it's gonna be though, um, two one Chelsea. Two one to the Blues. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Wolves haven't been off to the best start. I think they're gonna find find their way eventually. Um, but they do have that Europa League to battle with as well. Um. So they got more games this year, essentially. Um, I think there's going to be, I think there's going to be quite a few goals in this game. W- Wolves are going to be without Willie Bali, who got sent off in the last game. Um, got a late red card. Um, and Wolves haven't been as steady at the back as were as they were last year when they first came up. They were actually really good at the back last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. And that guy Daugherty, who was really good for my fantasy team last year as a right wing back, he's oh, yeah, out yeah. as well. Uh, so I think they're gonna. I think both teams are gonna leak goals because Chelsea's back line, you know, that's it's leaky as well. I'm gonna go two two. Okay. Fair, fair. Oh, next one up, uh, Norwich at home to City. Uh, Norwich have a ton of injuries. Um, City, we just learned that Laporte is out for six months. We're gonna talk about that a little bit after we're done with our predictions. Uh, who do you got for this one? Hmm. Or what score do you have? I'm sure I know who you have. Yeah, I think City wins. We at Norwich, right? At Norwich, uh, I think City wins three zero. Three zero. Yeah, I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll. Actually, wait, 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 wait. Three one. I think Pookie scores a goal. Pookie. Yeah. Pookie Bear. Yeah. yeah. I think if any, <laughs> if they're gonna get a goal, it is gonna be through Mr. Pookie Bear himself. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go five one. Oh wow! Five okay. one to City over, and I think I think Buki's gonna skip the goal as well. <laughs> um, Norwich did, do not know how to defend whatsoever, and I think Kevin De Bruyne is gonna have another big week. He was he had an unbelievable game for Bel couple games for Belgium. He had like three goals and an assist in yeah, the second yeah. game. He Granted, was on it fire. was probably against some baby ass country, but uh, I think he's it's gonna be a big week for whoever has him in fantasy. KDB. Uh, they move to Sunday, uh, Bournemouth at home to Everton. That'll be a fun one. That'll to be watch. a good one. I think Bournemouth wins this one though. I think it's gonna be one zero to Bournemouth. One zero. Ah, uh, Bournemouth are good at home. They have that really intimate little stadium. Yeah, uh, I can't remember the name of their stadium, but it only holds like ten thousand people. The vit- uh, Vitality Stadium. Vitality, yes. Yeah, 
it's a nice little ground actually. Um, this is going to be a good one. We'll see which Everton team shows up. We've seen in the past that Everton are really inconsistent. And like I said, Bournemouth is a good home team. Uh, this is a tough one. This would be a good one to watch though Sunday morning. I think I'm going to go 2-1 to Everton on the road. And then second Sunday game, uh, Watford, who's rock bottom of the table right now, one tie, three or four losses. Uh, Watford at home to the Gunners of Arsenal. Hmm. 2-1, Arsenal. I think Arsenal's leaky defense is going to let up a goal. But I think Arsenal. Yeah, I think but I, I. But I still think they'll win comfortably, though. I don't think it'll be. I don't think it'll be too much of a challenge for them. Speaking of injuries, Lacazette has also been ruled out for that game. Uh, we'll get into those, the big injuries for the big teams right after this. Uh, Watford just assigned a new coach, um, who has been their coach before. <laughs> Ironically, really stupid assignment in my opinion. Um, I do think Arsenal win this one. I also think they leak a goal. I'm actually going to go 3-1. Okay. I think Yang and maybe Pepe gets his first goal in this one. I feel, Hopefully. A, I feel a Pepe uh, first goal for the Gunners. He needs one, I think. He yeah, needs for, one. I think for his confidence, especially now that Lacazette will be out for five weeks or so, I think it is. Um, it'll be big for him to step, be able to step up. And then moving on to Monday, the last game, Aston Villa and West Ham. It's a Monday game this Aston week. Villa, West Ham. I think West Ham wins this one. Um, 3-1. 3-1. Yeah. To the Hammers. Yeah. Uh, I actually – I know City thrashed them on the opening day 5-0, but um, I actually like West Ham's team. I think I probably said it before. Um, and I don't rate Villa very highly even though they have squeaked out a result or two so far. Uh, I'm going to go West Ham 2-0. Okay. So that will round out the predictions for Week 5. We'll transition here into some big news around the league with some injuries, some some concerns for some of the big clubs. Uh, We had mentioned Laporte and Lacazette already. Laporte is going to be out for a while more than I thought. I thought because, I mean, I've had knee injuries in the past, so I kind of know timelines and stuff. Uh, Laporte, I believe, has meniscus damage and LCL damage. Um, He did get an operation. He's due to be back in late January or mid-February, which uh, it's half the season. It's going to be tough. and we'll see how Fernandinho does back there this weekend. I think he's probably going to be get the nod um, at center back alongside Otamendi. I'm surprised Kyle Walker won't though. Yeah, they might they might use uh, Kyle Walker here and there because he has played in a three back system for City, I believe, in the past. Maybe Pep's first year, I think that was. Uh, but then Lacazette out for four to six weeks as well, and your boy Pogba. Uh, do you know the, the timeline on that? Um, I don't. I, I think it's just for this weekend. I think by next weekend he should be fine. Oh, so he's short term. Yeah, I think it's, it's short term. But what do you what do you feel about this Laporte injury affecting Man City's Champions League? Honestly, um, road? I feel like a lot of people have been fifty fifty with this, but I'm really concerned with it honestly because, and I'll tell you why. 
in November, which is right in the middle of his timeline there because mm-hmm. he's due back in February. In November, in back-to-back match weeks, City have to play Liverpool and Chelsea. Now, Stones played against Liverpool last year when they won. Yeah. Um, I think it was the game they won. And he looks fine. And I, I have no problem with Stones. But what if something happens with Stones or Otamendi between now and then? We're yeah. fucked. We're completely fucked because then we're left with one center back. Not right now. We have two because Stones is about to come back from, from injury. But then we'll have one center, one true center back. And Fernandinho, who's also aging, what if something happens to him? And it'll be these big games where missing Laporte is really going to show. And the margin of error we saw last year, one point difference, the margin of error is going to be so small. And I honestly think right now, unless someone is brought in in January and Liverpool drop a bunch of points, which I don't see them doing at this rate, Liverpool are probably going to win the league mainly because of this, in my opinion. You think so? That's interesting. Now, he'll be back for, I think, quarterfinal stages of Champions League. So if they can hang tight in Champions League until he gets back and he refines his form, they'll still, I think, have every fighting chance for Champions League. But in terms of the Premier League, I'm really concerned because I think in those big games is where our flaws at center back and our lack of depth and not having him are going to be exposed. Like Fernandinho is going to do just fine against Norwich. He's going to do just fine against just about every team. Yeah, yeah. But against Liverpool, I don't know. It it makes me a little nervous. So um, that stretch of games and also in December, which December is the biggest bitch of a month in the (laughs) Premier League. It's fucking cold. It's the holiday season. And I feel like this is when... The big teams, City dropped a bunch of points in December last yeah, year when yeah. they lost to Newcastle and um, Leicester in yeah, like yeah. back-to-back weeks. And I, I think, our December this year, if I remember correctly, I'll have to look again. We play you guys. We play United. We play Leicester. We play um, another like top eight team. And this is all like three straight weeks in December. So November, December have me concerned because December is a bitch of a fucking month to play and not having depth at center back is concerning. So yeah, I am really concerned about not having him. He's easily our best defender and not having company this year doesn't help um, in terms of depth. So yeah, I'm, I, I am concerned. So that was a long roundabout way of answering that question, but mm-hmm. those are those are the exact reasons why I'm concerned. Those two stretches of games. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I think City. I I I can agree with you. I just because Liverpool haven't lost a game so far, right? Um, but yeah, I think Fernandinho's gonna slot fine in that center back role. I guess it's just a question of the big games as to whether or not, um, missing Laporte is gonna really affect them or not. And then as far as Champions League as well, I mean, you still, I mean, Champions League, you know, it's, you know, I think City will be fine getting past the group stage. I guess it's just when it gets to the knockout stages, right, is where your cause for concern is. So I'm sure as a City fan, you're kind of wondering now whether 
next summer City should probably invest in getting another center back of some sort, probably, right? Because Otamendi yeah. is old. Vincent Company left. Um, John Stones is a, a solid player. I mean, you know, he does the job well, I think. But you kind of want another center back, right, that can kind of compete in that role. Because I think it would be, ideally for City, it would be Laporte and then another world-class center back and then yeah. Stones kind of backing him up. I don't think Stones is a starter. I will say this is going to be a huge year for John Stones in terms of his future with the club because Pep is at odds with him. You know, I think Pep thought he was going to be better at this stage in his career than he is. Yeah, how old is he also? He's only still like 25 or 26, I believe. Um, But... He may not have a choice this year, but we saw a lot of for stretches last year where Pep kind of sat him a little bit for stretches of games. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes he's, he is 25. Oh, okay, um, okay. Sat him for stretches of games, sometimes didn't dress him when he was healthy, uh, put Otamendi on the bench or Vinny on the bench instead. Um, so this is so where he can take his chance now, though. This would be a huge stride for him if he can Come really up big. be consistent this year when he's healthy. But if not... You know, he'll always just be like yeah. an extra center back unless they sell him. I mean, in yeah, my the, opinion. these are the opportunities you want as a player, right? When you haven't been playing a lot, is when you know a lot of key players get injured in your certain position and you have to step up to the plate. So yeah. I think he needs to rise to the occasion and be able to perform um, when they really need him. And if he can prove himself, then, you know, there you go. You land a starting spot on the team, I think, if he's really yeah. being able to handle well on his own. Yeah, but this, it, this is going to be huge for him, um, especially these months, these six months before Laporte comes back. But yeah, that, that's my that's my two cents on the Laporte injury. But Lacazette being out for Arsenal, I think, is also significant, just because significant. Uh, just Arsenal is still trying to find their identity a little bit with mm-hmm. some new players and stuff, and still trying to get their feet under them and. Whereas, I don't know which system they're gonna play without him because, like, like we have talked about before, that's not all the time that we see him, Yang, and Pepe in the same lineup at the same time. So I don't know what system they're gonna play, but that's one less goal scoring source for them. Um, so it it just has to be said at least that it, it is gonna be a concern, even though it's only for four to six weeks. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. Um, yeah, I, with Arsenal, I think that Lacazette injury is gonna affect them quite a bit. I know he hasn't really been starting too much, um, which is weird. I don't know why they don't start Aubameyang, Lacazette, and Pepe. That's kind of like I don't know. I, I question Unai Emery's decisions so far he's made when it comes to Torreira and then starting all three of his best attackers. But yeah, I, I Arsenal. I think they have a really good. I mean, we we we've, we've gone over this a lot of times already, right? They have a good attack, a decent, a solid midfielder, and then a really bad back line. But I, I agree with you. They need to find some sort of identity, and I think they they had to just be composed in the back. I know they don't have a lot of talent, but they got to really try to work as a team defensively more so, just relying on your back line to bail yeah. you out. I think when you don't really have a good defense overall. As a team, you gotta play really good defense. If that yeah. makes, if that kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, uh, it, um, it'll be a chance for Ozil to step up. 
because I'm sure he'll get some more minutes while he's yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. And it, it is a lot less time than the Laporte oh. injury, but... Um, and uh, I have a question for you real quick before. Do you think with the return of Bellerin and Tierney that Arsenal's defense is going to improve a lot? Or what do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? I haven't seen much of this Tierney kid. I, I've heard good things. Um, right now, I actually like the way Maitland-Niles is playing. So do I. Um, and I think it's going to take... Because Bellerin has been struck with quite a few injuries in a short period of time, yeah. kind of back-to-back almost. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to take a while for him to refine some form. So he may not come come back right away to the player he once was. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think Tierney, will, if he is the player that I, the good player that I've heard he is, um, will be a bigger impact having him back because at left back, they have Kolasinac, who... I don't rate him very no, yeah, very yeah. highly. And then they have Nacho Monreal, who I think has been playing left back, who two years ago he actually had a really good season for Arsenal. He's one of the few bright spots, but I think he's just on the other side of the hill now, and he's just he's just a filler right now yeah. until they get people healthy. Um, but I'm actually glad you brought that up because with Lacazette being out, now that I'm looking at their schedule for like the next month or so, it's not they should easy, be okay. Yeah. They've got some Europa League games trickled in there, um, but in terms of like st- strength of schedule in the league, um, they should be okay just because their attack has been pretty potent. Um, there could have been a worse injury, like there could have been a worse player get injured. Like if a center back got injured, who they don't have good ones right now. Yeah. So like if David Luiz or Maitland Niles or who the hell is their other center back anyway? Oh, Socrates, if he got injured, mm-hmm. I think there'd be more concern because they're already bad at the back. And if someone like Ceballos or Guendouzi got injured there or Torreira, there would also be more concern, I think, than Lacazette out. Because I still think they'll still have scoring options. Mm-hmm. Um Oates will come in. Um, I think Ceballos could be a scoring option as well this year. I don't know what Arsenal fans think of that, but I think he could be a good creator um, as well this year for them. So they're going to have scoring options even with him out. But like hypothetically, if another one in their back, someone in their back six got injured, then there'd be more cause cause for concern in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, they don't have too bad. They do play United on September 30th away. Um, so that'll be a big one for them uh, where it might show a little bit more with him missing. But um, I don't think it's anything too big of a concern for Arsenal fans, but uh, I guess we'll see. Sorry, that was my beer. Pop another brewski. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. With some, and like, with again, like Lacazette, he hasn't really been st- – Unai Emery hasn't really been starting Lacazette anyways, which is – Again, weird to me. I don't understand it, but yeah, I don't think Arsenal's schedule is too bad. I'm actually happy that Lacazette's, I mean, injured because he's gonna be playing. They're gonna be playing our uh, Man U soon, so or at the end of this month actually. So that's only good for Man yeah, U. It might be one of his last weeks of his yeah, uh, yeah, so his uh, injury there. Um, but we'll move on. Uh, Pogba also out, but that's short term, so we won't say much on that one. But uh, some some big uh, people out for some big clubs for the short-term future and for Laporte long-term. Uh, we'll move on. VAR, um, I, we won't touch, we'll touch on this a little bit. 
Something uh, was released today by the BBC that VAR has been involved with 10 decisions so far in the first 10 weeks of the season. And of those 10 decisions, it's only it, it's been said that only six of them have been correct. So we hear all this stuff about, you know, oh, VAR is going to get 95% uh, success rate or something, some bullshit like that. But here we are four weeks in, and they've even cited the specific incidences that it's gotten wrong. So they've gotten four wrong, 60% pass rate so far at this rate. Not too not too hot. Um, and a couple of these have been like, you know, like it probably wouldn't have made a big difference in the game, but the other two have. So the first one, uh, David Silva was fouled against Bournemouth when City played Bournemouth a couple weeks ago. Uh, they ended up winning that one 3-1, so it probably wouldn't have made a difference. Um, there was no penalty called, but it, it, it they're saying that it should have been. Um, Sebastian Haller, the striker for West Ham, was fouled against Norwich. Um, they're saying um, that there should have been a penalty called in that one as yeah, well that they that missed. Uh, Tielemans should have been sent off when Lesser played Bournemouth, so that one would have yeah, made a yeah. difference because that was a 2-1 game or something like that, mm-hmm. and if he and that was midway through the game, I believe. So if he's sent off and that call gets correct, maybe that game ends in a tie. I don't know. And then the last one, this was just the last match week, Newcastle and Watford, uh, that one ended 1-1, but there was a missed handball in that game Yeah, yeah. Um, that Watford would have been awarded a penalty for it and maybe have gotten three points. And Watford's struggling right now, so that could yeah, prove that could to be been, a big, yeah. big miss uh, big two difference. points, basically. Yeah. And they fired their fucking coach right after that <laughs> game, so... You know, maybe if he wins for him. that game, maybe he keeps his job. So <laughs> here we're looking at fucking career impacts from VAR <laughs> fucking up. So um, we don't have to spend too much time on it, but I wanted to at least point it out. I, so we did talk about it in our very first episode, how there's going to be some growing pains, but, you know, time's a ticking, right? It is. Uh, with VAR, I, you know, 6 out of 10, 60% is... Very shit. That's a failing grade. It's in, a failing uh, grade in school. So any school, yeah. So um, you bring back a six out of ten on your test to your parents. I mean, they're smacking you across the face. You know, um, that's no bull- TV. No TV for a <laughs> month, man. Um, yeah, I don't know if you remember this call. Really pissed me off too because VAR didn't do anything about it. I don't know if you remember this when everyone was accusing Grealish of diving, and Austin Villa scored. I forgot who was what, what game it was. Uh, was it this season? It was this season. Yeah, yeah. It was this season. It was against um let me Villa check. have played Everton, Spurs. Uh I don't know who else they've played. Hold on. I'm going to look it up real quick so then I can remember this. It was against I think it was against Crystal Palace to be honest with you. Yeah, it was against Crystal Palace cuz Grealish got Yeah, Grealish got a yellow card for diving. So Crystal Palace ended up winning that 1-0. And uh, if you saw the video, Grealish was taking it pretty much inside the box, takes on a player, and uh, one of the Crystal Palace defenders sticks his foot out and uh, catches Grealish's feet, and he falls to the ground. But the referee calls a dive. But right before the referee called the foul or the the dive, um. Austin Villa ended up scoring anyways off that off that like attempt. So referee calls the yellow. The ball was in the net already though. 
Austin Villa scored, and then you can see in the replay that he didn't dive, that he actually was clipped. And VAR and didn't, VR look, didn't, do it, didn't look at it, didn't say anything about it. So here's the last thing I'll say about it that I don't like about because they're doing it differently than, say, MLS does it. So MLS has people in the booth that if a controversial moment happens, the people in the booth will say, hey, you might want to take a look at this. It could go either way, basically. Okay. And then he goes to the monitor, which is at midfield, Mm -hmm. and he looks at it and he makes a decision. Now, in the Premier League, it's different. The v, uh, they have made it so where it takes the least amount of time out of the game, but the referee doesn't get to look at it. And I don't think the referee really has any say in the decision. It's made by the people who look at it in the booth Okay. at a separate location. So why isn't the referee getting to make these decisions? I don't know if I'm 100% right with this, but this is what I've heard that that's how the procedure is. Um, I almost kind of like that he gets the referee who's officiating the game gets to look at it on the screen for himself. And if it's clear and obvious, it only takes 15 seconds, 15 seconds to a minute. Yeah, yeah. So I would almost rather, and some people may disagree, Mm -hmm. and that's fine, um, but I would almost rather him just go look at it like they do it here in MLS. Yeah. See, look at it for as long as he has to. Hopefully, ideally, it takes two minutes or less. And get it fucking right. And we have talked about it with handballs and stuff. I don't think handballs should be used for VAR because there's still that gray area, you know, and there's too much. It's the most controversial of all the decisions Mm -hmm. that VAR is involved with. Um, But... Offsides, you know, you're either offsides or you're not offsides. It's, there's no subjectivity to it. Mm-hmm. So the referee, you know, he can look at it, and it's either A or B. You're offsides or you're not offsides. But with fouls and that sort of stuff and red cards, you know, the laws of the game are still structured well enough to where he should get red cards right, and he should get uh, – what's the other one that I'm thinking of? Mainly red cards. And then handballs should just not be reviewed until they really define the laws. They really define the laws a little bit better. Um, But I I almost like like it better in MLS how the guy goes to the screen, he takes a look at it, he gets to see it for himself, and he also got to see it for himself in live Mm -hmm. right there, closer than the guys in the booth. Yeah, yeah. And make a decision. Um, but I know, I and I understand how some people may would rather see it done how the Premier League is doing it. Mm-hmm. But look, we're sixty percent. I don't know. I I don't have the percentage off the top of my head for MLS, but I think it's higher than sixty percent. But then again, we're only through four weeks and it's only been used ten times, so hopefully it gets better. But I at least wanted to bring it up. Yeah, I I don't really have I don't really have too much else to say about it. I guess it's just kind of. I, if, if it's if it's there you should use it especially for calls that you know like I, like i said this Grealish dive if you know if you have officials looking at this constantly how the fuck do you not see someone who gets clipped and is accused of diving yeah like i i, I to me that doesn't doesn't make sense right all you're doing is sitting on your ass and, and looking at these plays like i mean maybe i'm wrong and say like oh 
Hobby action, there's a lot more work that goes into this. You don't know. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Like you, you're sitting there and you watch. You can see, right? It's like it's like watching it on TV. Yeah. I'm I'm watching it when I sit down on my couch watching TV, and that sounds very biased, but it's the truth, right? If I can mm-hmm. see, if I see something that was clearly either not a foul or a foul sitting down on my TV, then I think VAR, who get paid, I don't know how much these refs get paid, you know, to do this, but these refs that are sitting in the booth watching this on TV. Yeah. Should be able to catch the same shit that I watch right. on my TV. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, so so that's my, that's what I'm kind of ticked off about, especially shit that's like very clear, you know, like there's some calls that are very clear and you look around and you're like, why didn't they, like, why didn't they VAR like yeah. check this? So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, yeah. that's, that's my, that's my annoyance with it. Definitely not a good look so far. Yeah. Um, hopefully it gets better. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to bring up those incidences because this is the first year they're using it. Uh, but we'll move on. Uh, what to watch for? We've only got really one game, um, or I guess two games. I got yeah, I got one too. That the, I wanna... the United Leicester game is that what the one? Um, you yeah, that's a, that, I'll say that as a, as an extra because yeah. to be honest, I I, I feel like Manu's gonna lose anyways. But um, my you can say the, you can say yours though. Go go ahead and, and pick yours first, and then we'll. I have a uh, first versus second in the Bundesliga. And this is, I don't know if this is Saturday or Sunday, but Leipzig versus Munich. That's going to be a big game. Uh, Leipzig off to a 3-0 and start. Uh, to Only two goals allowed or something like that so far. Um, and Bayern right below them. Two wins and a tie, I believe. And I do think it'll be Bayern, Dortmund, and Leipzig. And I think it's going to be kind of close, honestly, between the three of them. So we'll see yeah. if Leipzig can hang with Bayern. And if they can... It's going to be a big statement uh, for them because I do I did have them as an honorable mention in my power rankings mm-hmm. in our our episode yep, not too yep. long ago. Uh, mine is again from the Bundesliga. It's uh, Dortmund versus Leverkusen. Oh, that'll be a good one too. Uh, again, I mean Dortmund has. I mean, I actually, to be honest with you, I think between Dortmund and Leverkusen, they have two of the most exciting talents in the Bundesliga and maybe even Europe with. Sancho and uh, and uh, Havertz. Yeah, I th- I actually heard was it was it with Havertz uh, earlier. I don't know if it, I think it was last week. Marco Royce is trying to recruit um, Havertz to come over to Dortmund. Yeah, yeah, to they, come to Dortmund, just yeah. how he did with Julian Brandt. Yeah, they're looking. Julian to, Brandt came from Leverkusen, I believe. Yeah, they're looking to get him. This this next summer coming up, they want because he is a really exciting talent. Yeah, he's really good, and that is going to be a really good game to watch because Leverkusen, I don't think they're as good as Leipzig, but they're like fourth, fifth place finish in the Bundesliga, yeah. and they can really, especially down the stretch, they could be a team that you're not going to want to come up against because you you could drop points against Leverkusen. It'll be a team that will play a big role in the title race because any anybody can drop points against them. Um, I agree. So it's not going to be a, a team that uh, Bayern or Dortmund want to come down against uh, in the, the stretch of the season, you know? No, yeah, um, definitely. So it'll be a tough one for sure. But yeah, those are definitely two good games to watch, both from the Bundesliga. I wish more games from the Bundesliga were on TV because those are some good-ass games. Bundesliga has a lot of good talent, man. And I mean, top to bottom in the Bundesliga, I think they probably have the best league, honestly. Um, it. 
may not be as big as the Premier League just because of TV deals and whatnot. But top to bottom, like even the bot, like the bottom five teams in the Bundesliga, I think are the best teams in like the best bottom five teams of the European league. Yeah, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. Um. So top to bottom in the Bundesliga, I think it's probably the first or second best league in the in the world. Yeah. Honestly. Well, well, the thing is, well, the thing is though is with. Bundesliga, even La Liga also, if you had to compare to Premier League, I think the with every team top top to bottom in that uh in that in that le- in those leagues is those lower teams try to play some sort of style of football. Yeah. It's with you know, if if you look at the Premier League like with like, you know, your your Watfords, your Sheffields, maybe some of those like lower well, teams. Huddersfield last year, or they Huddersfield, or, style play. or Huddersfield. You know, all those teams, they all they, they fucking do is sit back and kick it. You know, like it's yeah. it's kind of sloppy. But with these other teams in the Bundesliga in La Liga, they play. They try to play like a certain style of soccer, yeah. right? So it's a little bit more entertaining. But again, it's just not as popular as the Premier League, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I agree. Bundesliga, lots of good talent, lots of U.S. talent. Um, so I, it's 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 a it's a good lead to watch. I mean, if you guys don't really watch Bundesliga too much, I would I would start watching yeah, Bundesliga. I know they get them on Fox Sports One, Fox Sports Two, and I'm hoping if they haven't already that they get some sort of deal with ESPN Plus because if you guys don't have fucking ESPN Plus, folks, fucking get it because it's the best purchase I ever made. It's fucking five dollars a month, and you get access to a ton of games. So hopefully, hopefully the Bundesliga gets put on there pretty soon. Cause Syria is on there, and La Liga. all MLS games. No, La, La Liga's Liga, BN, right? La Liga only has La, like BN. La Liga has BN, but I think they're in the in the works for a deal for the future as well. Uh, but yeah, that would be huge. But those are two going to be really good games to watch. We will move on to our extra touch segment. Uh, first, <laughs> the first one I'll mention won't spend too much time on it. But the most Vincent Company thing ever, <laughs> Vincent Company uh, had a testimonial match this week, and he was fucking injured for it. This is the cl- most classic. This is a guy who is now a player coach, and he was injured for his own testimonial match. A guy who was, you know, injury prone all of his career, sat out so much time for City with hamstrings and just little muscle <laughs> niggling inju- injuries missed his own testimonial match so yeah he was there but he didn't get to fucking play in his own testimonial <laughs> match it's the most classic vincent company thing i've ever seen in my life just getting injured for your own testimonial yeah i think yeah. that dude that dude shouldn't be playing anymore he's just retired become just a coach. Be a coach man he's he's injury prone you're to the gonna max. be injured for your own testimonial match i think i think that's a that's a sign from the gods you know just be a coach full time speaking but, of a testimonial match though there's some Paul Scholes, man. He, he was in that, guy, was he in was that, in that game, game. I'm pretty sure. I'm telling you, he could walk into Man U's uh, midfield right now and be the best midfielder on that team. <laughs> so. Yeah, we tweeted it earlier this week. Yeah. At 44, he would be the best midfielder. Honestly, I put him in that cam roll and just let him sit there and just, you know, just spray, l- some, balls, spray some balls. Ping some over the top. Ping some over and just take a long shot or something. Just kind of yeah. like, you know, I think he'd be better than Jesse Lingard. So Yeah, there uh, were some... There were some some big names in that in that testimonial match. Van Persie played. Van Persie. Cahill, John Terry, I think John Terry, uh, and then some throwback city players. Joe Hart 
was in that. The Nigel DeYoung. Yeah. Micah Richards. Zabaleta. So. Is Micah Richards retired? I think so. He was on Villa for a little while. I haven't heard. I think he's. I think he's retired now. I think. He's a decent player. Yeah, he was solid. He could have yeah. been a lot better, I think. Yeah. I think he was also strung with injuries as yeah. well. But uh, that's the, the first uh, extra touch I had. What do you got? Um, Let's see. We have. Because I've got a couple more once you give yours. Um, drink water injured in a bar fight. <laughs> Should have just been drinking water, man. Should have just been drinking water. That was <laughs> I. I remember reading this. I this is a while back. I read this though. So apparently, I don't know if he was talking shit or I don't know what was going on. But I think though some like a like some people like noticed him and they just wanted to injure him to like kind of just you know fuck up his career. To be honest with you, which is it was in Manchester. It was I in believe, Manchester. I, think, I don't think he instigated it. I think some fuck. I think so, I think some guys just face. like saw him and they're like they're like let's just fuck up his career and fuck him up. Which yeah. is scary to think about, right? You can be like a pro player, and if people just gang, gang, um, gang bang you, <laughs> if people just come, <laughs> if people just you know, if people just come up and crowd you and just fuck you up, you're screwed, and your career is just screwed. So that kind of sucks. Yeah, um, he, it did something to his ankle. He's out for like three weeks. Yeah, yeah, he's out for three weeks. I was like, holy shit, dude! Like that's crazy. That someone like people can just decide to fuck you up, and there goes your. There's a month of your career right there that's just out on the yeah. sidelines. So I still can't believe Chelsea. Like bought him. I thought he was pretty good, wasn't he, for Leicester? Or he was really good for Leicester. But then he kind of just. But he wasn't ready to make that jump, and now he's back where he belongs at a team like. How Burnley. old is he? He looks old. He, I feel like he's looked the same. One of those people who's looked the same for like the past decade, but really isn't that old. But I'm not really sure how old he was. He was. He had got some England call ups. Yeah, not he did. Too long ago. He did. Um. But Danny Drinkwater just stayed at home. Drank some water, laid off the booze, and instead he got himself in a fucking bar fight. Uh, That's a good one. Um, Last one I've got, uh, Inter-Miami, David Beckham's team, that will be entering MLS next season, 2020. Uh, They don't have a team to support right now because their team hasn't started yet, but instead their little little local following that they have so far with their fan base showed out to one of their under-13 academy games that's awesome. In full force, some big flags, um, a lot of like uh, instruments and stuff, like drums and oh, all that beast. stuff. And they won. They won the game. Their academy team yeah. won. And there's a video. We'll put it on our Twitter eventually. Um, of all their fans filling up the bleachers, probably like 75 of them, and they got these big ass flags. All for like a little, uh, what's 13, 13 years old? That's like an eighth grader, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, imagine being like one of those those kids and just yeah. having that showing. That's beast, dude. Yeah, that's so awesome. Pretty cool. Um, I am really looking forward to how things go in Miami. I think they're gonna team. have a really good following. I think they got a really awesome fan base. Over and there. it has to be said that you know, Miami, Florida, people from across the pond. Uh, big name players, you know, when they want a vacation and they come over here, oh, yeah, a lot yeah, of them my, are going to go to oh, Miami. Yeah, my so aunt, yeah. They've all been to Miami bef- before. They know what it's all about. So I think Beckham is going to attract, and it, it helps that he's fucking David Beckham. I mean, Miami, but. you got you got beautiful weather, beautiful women. Be- I mean, just, you know, yeah. all, the party scene there. I mean, you're, you're, t- you're like, this is where I want to go play. Right. You got your sexy, your sexy babes, your sexy owner. 
<laughs> you got everything. Yeah, I mean, dude, you that, got everything. That location combined with the fact that the owner is David Beckham and he's got just unlimited connections is going to be exciting. unreal, unreal. So, um, anything else you got? Um, well, I think this is what you want to touch on, right? The fire, like yeah, the special well, news for the fire. How much time we at? We are at forty-seven. Oh, sweet. So, honestly, guys, I could do a fucking full episode on yeah this news that came out today. And you never know, maybe one of these days we'll get a, a fire fan on here as a guest and talk about it. But the fire today, friends and listeners, huge news. Andrew Hopman, who has owned the club for 12 years, that has resulted in a grand total of zero trophies and a lot of sadness, has sold the club 100% of it to Joe Monsueto, who, for those who live in the area, uh, the Chicago area, he owns the Wrigley Building. He has like a $400 million net worth or something crazy. Holla <laughs> <laughs> <Holla> fucking Louie. <laughs> Papa Joe is now con- complete control of the club, effective immediately. And the team is moving back to Soldier Field, officially. So we oh, knew yeah, it was like in the works, but it was officially announced today that starting in 2020, they will begin play at Soldier Field. No more fucking trash-ass Bridgeview. And Joe Monsueto will control 100% of the club. Um, That's good news, dude. That's awesome huge news. huge news. Huge news for a team and a fan base that has been struggling for the past at least decade under that man's ownership, Andrew Hopman. You know, what was funny is um, I was reading an article, and I mean, obviously, they're just trying to be nice, but they were saying, like, after Hopman's brought success and has grown this, like, you know, club in this, like, city, all this it's stuff, and I'm like, nonsense. and I'm like, that is the biggest load of horse crap that I've ever heard in my life. I was like, I mean, look, I don't want to shit on anyone, but he's done shit for this club. He's done shit. You know, he's... I mean, you know what? I won't say, I won't say absolute shit, but... I mean, let, let's let's just let's, at least let's look at it. The past what four or five years? I don't yeah. really think he's done much. Well, in the past decade, the Fire have made the playoffs twice in the last yeah. ten seasons, and in both of those both of those playoff appearances, they lost in the first round. So that's we're talking a decade without a playoff win. A decade, man, from a team who made the playoffs in their first. Uh, in their first 12 seasons, the team made the playoffs 11 of the first 12 times. And then since then, basically, because that would have been 98 to 2009, it's since it. then, they've made the playoffs like three times. Since and haven't, haven't won a playoff game. So you look at that and you're like, as a club, you're supposed to build off. Right. It's like any any professional sports team, right? If you... If you um, qualified for the playoffs, like you said, 11 out of the 12 times you first yeah. started off, then you're like, you know what? Our next step should be to fucking win, right? right. To, to win a to win this um the playoffs, right? Or not a play not the playoff game, MLS but the whole Cup. MLS Cup. Yeah. How do you go from you know qualifying 11, 12 times to yeah. to, to then exactly. to then 10 years of absolute shit? Like it it shows it showed. On their part, they, that the owner didn't give a shit anymore. Like, uh, and like, I don't mean to be mean. It's just like, how can you let that happen for a decade? 
Right. You and know, it was long overdue. This guy should have sold this fucking club years ago because let's be honest, he's losing a ton of money on this and the team isn't doing well. It's one thing if, cause most, most, most soccer clubs, even in, in, in Europe operate at a loss, you know, it, it's, it's not always about revenue and profit. It's about winning. And the majority of the clubs in MLS, and granted MLS is still a relatively young league, mm-hmm. but just about every single club in MLS is operating at a loss. No one, Very few teams are actually making a profit. So, you know, you're operating at a loss, so you're losing money, and your team fucking blows. You've made the playoffs twice in the last 10 years. Why would you not sell earlier? But it's crazy to think Joe Monsueto, the guy who bought the remaining, he, he had 49% stake in the team mm-hmm. up until today. Last year, he bought 49% of the team from Andrew Hopman, and today he bought rema- the remaining 51%. Total money spent, I'm hearing, is over $300 million. Andrew Hopman bought the team in 2007 for guess how much? How much? $35 million. So this dude, arguably the worst owner in MLS history, owned the team for a, de- or a dozen years, 12 years, and at the end of the day, no matter how bad he did, he still made $290 million hmm. profit off of the sale of the club. That's fucked up. Now, I don't know if that makes up for all the, like, the expenses, like the money he was losing year after year after year while he owned it, but still, man, the, that means the fire are valued at like $400 million, and this dude literally made $350 million after being like the worst owner ever for over a decade, and that is mind-blowing to me, but it's going to, it could prove to be just an amazing step in the right direction. In the right direction for this club because, like we said, they first 12 seasons, they made the playoffs 11 times. Now, of course, there were only like 12 teams around by that time, and now yeah. there's almost 30, and teams well, have passed them up. But it was the fact that well, this the, owner allowed them to yeah. get passed up by all well, these new teams. This, this, this is what I was going to say also. Like, you were right. When the when MLS first started, there was only 12 teams, and the Fire, I think, were one of the better ones, right? Yeah. Because it was just such a brand-new league. But when that 2009 period hit, 2010, when the MLS started introducing more teams from, um, from different locations, from different markets, I mean, you look at your Atlantas, your Minnesotas, your, um, Seattle. your Seattles, those owners, those teams had had ambition, have a goal to win the fucking MLS Cup, man. Yeah, right? And to this get, guy did not to get, have enough ambition to have to have a fan base who's passionate about their team, who wants to come to every fucking single game. They want to create a great atmosphere, a winning atmosphere, a great environment, a winning mentality. Once that period started, once you see it started seeing that period of new teams being brought in by owners who wanted to take their cl- new clubs to the right direction, I mean, the fire had no chance, right, with yeah, this they owner. Got, they got passed they up. They got passed up. The fire were just holding on to past glory, right? Yeah. They, just, they weren't really – they stayed stagnant pretty much. Right. And by remaining stagnant, they ended up falling down in, in the charts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
I think this is what Chicago needed in terms of a breath of fresh new air, as well as getting rid of that contract with Bridgeview, which, of course, um, that uh, what was it? Um, I just forgot his name. Not not Hotman. Um, Mansueto. 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 He pu- he basically pushed all the money to make that happen. Which if I'm which pisses me off also that this motherfucker Hotman. I'm gonna call him a motherfucker because he's a motherfucker. He didn't pu- almost put jack shit into this, and he still sold this fucking club for a shit ton of money. I'm I like, know. that is the biggest load of horseshit. And if you, if you hear me right now, man, go fuck yourself, because that dude's a fucking fraud. Like, I, I honestly, like, I fucking hate him, because... Yeah, it's, it, it's bullshit. The, the fact that you've done shit, and you still make that much fucking money off off of how shit the fire been doing is unbelievable. Yeah. And the fact that this other dude, who's at the time owned 49%, not the majority... Had to bail your ass out of this fucking contract at Bridgeview. That is that is a load of bullshit. It's so inexcusable. It is yeah. inexcusable. So yeah, you're right. So on. so if anyone else listens to this, if anyone else is considering Hotman to own your club, don't fucking let it happen. He can go fuck himself. So that shit, he'll be sitting pretty on that fucking yeah. lump of money that he just got to fucking, sell the damn thing. Fucking twat. But, uh, yeah, the team are officially out of Bridgeview and in for Soldier Field for next year. Um, a couple details I remember from uh, reading up on the, the, the details of the Soldier Field agreement, basically. So the club made an agreement to stay in Soldier Field for three years, minimum. And then they have the option to, to back out, right? They have the uh, they have that. There's, so there's yeah. a clause in the contract that allows them to get out of that agreement at any time that is convenient for them. So let's say... So let's say and it'll. This is a lot easier said than done, but let's say they decide on plans for a new stadium downtown, soccer-specific stadium, and they get all the groundwork laid out, and they do the stadium rendering and all that, and they have everything worked out. They can decide to get out of the agreement, basically, to go to that new stadium, but that is probably going to be at least four years down the road because there's so much politics involved with city real estate and all that stuff like there's so many hoops they're going to have to jump through in order to get their new stadium so especially it's going to take, especially, take find, some time. Yeah, especially finding space too right the right, finding, the right space there's some there's some areas in the city where there's space available but there's still so many hoops that they're going to have to jump through with like the aldermen for each ward i think they're called yeah, in the yeah. city and all that shit and the good thing is this Mansueto guy, um, he owns the Wrigley Building, which is one of the nicest buildings in the city. So hopefully he has a little bit of pull with real mm-hmm. estate yeah. um, decisions when it comes to the city real estate and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, the deal is for three years initially uh, with Soldier Field, and they have the option to extend up to eight years. Um, so the fire can ultimately be there up to ten years, which wouldn't be the end of the world, but... Hopefully they can find something for that's more suited for them. Suited for them, soccer because, specific, in between that like three to six year range. Because yeah. when you think about it, I mean, I, the fire aren't gonna fill up the whole entire stadium. Right. I think they're only looking at what filling up at least twenty five thousand. I, I think twenty five thousand would be a good goal. Yeah, to to fill that up. How big is Soldier Field? How much? Like fifty? Or no? Sixty one and a half. Sixty one and a half. Oh, okay. Yeah. So a little bit more. Oh, so. Yeah, twenty five thousand is a reasonable amount, but right. I think for fire, I mean, within the next five years, I think they want to really hone down on trying to find uh, a suitable home for them. 
Yeah. And speaking of home, what's what's uh, what's Bridgeview gonna do with that Toyota or that that stadium now? So not Toyota the Park. Chicago Red Stars, the women's team, are still gonna play there. Okay. Um, that's their home stadium. Mm-hmm. And then supposedly, as part of the agreement to get out of Bridgeview, um, the Fire are going to pitch in money. I, I don't remember the exact amount, but they're going to give money to the city to develop that site to make it like a better training facility. So the team still might train there even next year when they're at Soldier Field. Oh, okay. Trainings okay. May, may still be on those training grounds at Toyota Park or okay. SeatGeek, I guess it is. Yeah, now. Yeah. But they'll play their games at Soldier Field. But part of the agreement to get out of the Bridgeview lease was that the club would dump a little bit of money into improving um those facilities basically it's about time um i don't remember the exact amount but so it'll still be used basically yeah and then since seat geek is still going to be the name of the stadium they'll have total control over like concerts and stuff so maybe more concerts and stuff will go there okay the red stars will play there um but yeah it's it's interesting I doubt players are still going to want to go to fucking Bridgeview to train, um, but at least they won't have to fucking play there anymore. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. At least they'll be able to hopefully attract more fans, but it has to be combined with winning, man. This move to Soldier Field, if they can combine it with a winning team, people will fucking come, mm-hmm. and that 25000 may not be as much of a stretch if they can fucking win games, bring in a big-name player or two, Maybe a Mexican player, maybe a Polish player, uh, to cater to our large Polish and Mexican yeah, populations, yeah. and fucking win games. Spring, if you win fucking yeah. games, people will come. If you lose games, you're obviously gonna lose fans because yeah, yeah. the people of Chicago are spoiled, man. They have a lot of teams, and if it, it this it goes for just about any team, if you're losing in consecutive seasons, fans aren't gonna fucking show up. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, so what are we, right about an hour? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess we'll end it there. Um, that's just scratching the surface with the fucking yeah, news yeah. of the Chicago Fire. But uh, we got to do some Premier League predictions, some other news, VAR, a uh, little couple extra touches for you guys. Yep, yep. A um, little bit later episode this week, just because some, uh, some stuff with Javier and uh, coding and big projects and all this sort of stuff. You know how it is, man. Grinders, grinders, get, grinders find a way. Grinders find a way, baby. And we'll grind out an episode. We wanted to grind out an episode for you guys before the weekend. So indeed, we did. Um, that'll wrap up episode eight. Uh, enjoy the games this weekend, guys. Uh, we will see you next week for episode nine to review everything. Um, but have a good weekend and peace out. Peace out, fellas. Love you.